Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Dr. Robert Osfeld is a professor of medicine and the director of preventive cardiology at Montefiore Health System. His research focus is on cardiovascular disease prevention through lifestyle modification. Dr. Osfeld earned the Outstanding Full-Time Attending of the Year Award at Montefiore for Excellence in Teaching Medical Residents. He received the Program Director's Award for Dedicated Service on behalf of the Montefiore Einstein Cardiology Fellowship and was elected to the Leo M. Davidoff Society at Einstein for Outstanding Achievement in the Teaching of Medical Residents. Listen to how this incredibly inspiring doctor, and frankly, this incredibly inspiring human being, is choosing to change healthcare one patient at a time. Dr. Robert Osfeld, you have been doing so many extraordinary things in this world and making quite the impact. I'm so grateful to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an incredible honor to be here with you with your audience. And uh, of course, I'm very familiar with the incredible work that you are doing. So clearly a mutual admiration society. And um, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. So I would love to hear just a little bit about your journey towards finding a plant-based diet. Well, thank you. You know, I've always been interested in prevention and medicine, even from when I was a kid. And one thing led to another. I went to med school and, you know, all those years of training, cardiology fellowship, residency, other stuff. And, you know, I learned a lot of great information, diagnosis, procedures, medications, all that stuff can be, you know, incredibly important. But I honestly learned very, very little about prevention and particularly as it pertains to lifestyle and diet. And so when I finished up my training, I I came down to Montefiore to work, and I've been here a long time now, and did all the things I was trained to do, medications, procedures, and and I kind of knew that maybe a Mediterranean-style diet was helpful, but I couldn't really give you much more information about it. And people got a little bit better, but they didn't get a a ton better. And, And I didn't go into medicine to help people maybe get a little bit better here or there, so I was getting a little disillusioned. And it was right around then that I learned about the impact of a plant-based diet. Actually, a friend handed me the China study by Drs. Campbell. And being a myopic cardiologist, I went right to the little center section about cardiology. (laughs) I was pretty taken by it. And one thing led to another and started our cardiac wellness program at Montefiore here many years ago with the goal of preventing disease with the plant-based diet. And uh, it's really been an incredible personal and professional journey. Yes, that was my next question is about you founding this cardiac wellness program where you encourage patients to eat a whole food plant-based diet. I'm curious, well, first, what are the most common issues that you see in your practice? And then also, how do the patients respond to you giving them you know, this perspective of dietary and lifestyle intervention? As a cardiologist, I see people enriched for the the common chronic diseases that we often read about or see in the newspapers. So a lot of coronary artery disease or cholesterol blockages in the blood vessels in the heart, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, erectile dysfunction, 
And, and usually people have multiple of those issues simultaneously. So that's what I typically see. And the um, patients respond to it uh, differently. Of course, everybody's different and have, have their own reactions. And initially when I started the program, now we're here in the Bronx, uh, which is uh, one of the five boroughs of New York City. And it is, there are 62 counties in New York state. It is the least healthy county in New York state. It's number 62 and 61 is a mile away from us. It's a title no one wants and we're, you know, one of the least healthy inner cities in, if not the least in the U.S. And so initially wow. when I started, people would often look at me like I'm from Mars. Like they'd never heard about plant-based nutrition, but society is changing. And now people have heard about it. You know, they're ready to have at least a conversation about it. And some people really embrace it. Some people give me the Heisman and blow me off and other and everything in between. So it's, it's a behavior change, I think, is really the holy grail of medicine. And as a society, we are not good at making the healthy choice the easy choice. That is so true. I've heard you say astutely and objectively recently in a talk you gave that um, although we lack multiple large randomized control, control trials, there is a, quote, legion of evidence from test tube data to translational data to multiple diverse epidemiological data to small randomized control trials, and that while you think it is important to not get ahead of the data, brilliantly stated, of course, you, quote unquote, think the data unequivocally supports a plant-based diet, as with the American College of Cardiology guidelines. So what do, what, can you just kind of lay out some of the myriad mechanisms by which a plant-based diet helps ameliorate these these uh, conditions related to cardiovascular disease? Sure. Um, uh, in, in no particular order, there are, you know, high blood pressure, of course, promotes cardiovascular disease, stroke, heart failure, kidney disease. Randomized controlled trials of not exclusively, but largely plant-based diets, the DASH diet, lowers blood pressure compared to a more typical western style diet so it can help improve that risk factor why might it do it antioxidant effects anti-inflammatory effects positive impact on the microbiome um, uh, improving endothelial or blood vessel function so those are some potential mechanisms by how it may improve uh, blood pressure randomized controlled trials demonstrate how a the portfolio diet by Dr. Jenkins, a high fiber plant-based diet can lower LDL cholesterol about the same amount, a little bit less, but about the same as a low dose of a statin. And of course, you get the myriad of other benefits with a plant-based diet. <clears throat> and so by LDL cholesterol, or more, probably more broadly, the ApoB containing particles, but LDL cholesterol is a great surrogate of that, uh, is causal for atherosclerosis. And, and obviously it's a complicated milieu with other risk factors, inflammation, et cetera, but lowering cholesterol levels uh, is unequivocally across all kinds of different uh, uh, studies is causally associated with promoting atherosclerosis and lowering your levels can uh, improve outcomes and, and make atherosclerosis less likely uh, to happen. And interestingly, when if, if cholesterol gets into your plaque and becomes oxidized, there is an interesting study looking at vegetarians versus omnivores, and it's harder to oxidize the LDL particles. This is more test tube data. 
in vegetarians than it is in omnivores. And it's the oxidized LDL particle that is particularly atherogenic, pro-inflammatory, pro-oxidant, and promotes unhealthy plaques, unhealthy arteries, and endothelial dysfunction. So plant-based diet can lower these risk factors, high blood pressure, through a variety of mechanisms, um, and the microbiome we're just really scratching the surface of through lowering LDL cholesterol. There, uh, now, plant-based diets um, compared to, in randomized controlled trial, compared to the American Diabetes Association run by Dr. Barnard's group, improves a variety of cardiometabolic metrics, including some aspects of diabetes. And diabetes promotes um, you know, atherosclerosis. Now, there are uh, a variety of dietary patterns that can improve um, diabetes and weight loss in of itself may, may do it regardless of dietary pattern. But regardless, uh, it does appear that plant-based nutrition from a variety of kinds of studies can be particularly helpful uh, for uh, diabetes and with its pro-oxidant, pro-inflammatory, deleterious effects on the microbiome, uh, um, mechanistic components um, can be um, uh, particularly helpful in regard to diabetes and reducing atherosclerotic risk. You know, there's an interesting mechanism that is somewhat novel in the world of, of cardiology, certainly was novel to me just a few years ago, and it's a sialic acid called NU5GC, which is found on the cell membranes of non-human primates. And it's interesting, when humans eat red meat, they seem to have some trouble but when you know uh, true carnivores eat red meat, and we're, we're not true carnivores, but true carnivores eat red meat, um, you know they don't seem to have the same kinds of issues. And uh, these investigators out in San Diego created these animal models that look like us, where we do not have the, where these animal models did not have the new 5GC on the cell membrane, and they fed those animals red meat with new 5GC. And interestingly, those animals took up the new 5GC from the red meat and expressed it on their cell membranes and the, their body saw it as foreign, um, creating an inflammatory effect in these animal models, more cancer in these animal models. And that seems, at least the pro-inflammatory aspect seems to be translated into, into human data. So there, there's just a lead, there's a symphony of of benefits uh, uh, when eating more plant-based nutrition that lead to the improved outcomes that we see, which is supported by, as you say, multiple large prospective epidemiologic studies from across the world, from China uh, to Europe to the US, um, and the you know the smaller randomized controlled trials in part by uh, Dr. Barnard's wonderful work. Yes. Yes. What an amazing, gorgeous summary. Thank you for that. You published a paper, which I didn't know about. I just found recently when I was just digging into your work and just kind of getting a refresher on everything you've been doing. But there was a paper that you were part of in the International Journal of Cardiology all the way back in 2006 on the potential clinical benefits of statins. And we've talked about this. We talked about this with Dr. Kim Williams here. I would love to know your current thoughts on statins, especially when you look at some of those studies that utilize statins in addition to the plant-based diet. But um, what are your current thoughts on the use of statins? How much are you utilizing them? Um, what are your thoughts? 
So I think they are incredibly helpful. It is all of the above to help protect uh, patients. And, and I don't look at it as either or. Certainly statins are supported by multiple guidelines. They're probably the best studied medication. They're much more studied than aspirin. I mean, millions of people nowadays in randomized trials from it, I think. Um, so, you know, statins meaningfully lower LDL cholesterol. And there are all kinds of studies showing basically the lower the better from endelial randomization studies to people were born with certain mutations in the PCSK9 protein. Um, so uh, in the appropriate patient, now of course it's not for everybody, but in the patient who it's indicated for, and as a cardiologist, oftentimes I'm seeing those kinds of patients, people with atherosclerosis, where a cholesterol medication like a statin would be indicated. And for someone like that, the benefits far outweigh the risk. Okay, so first of all, you used my favorite word, armamentarium, and I think that's so apropos here because, right, use everything we possibly can to get the optimal results. But I think there's still this myth that a lot of people, I don't know if it's a myth, but that, that is my question. There's a lot of thinking that there's all these side effects of the statins or the other hypercholesterolemic meds, I think specifically the statins, but so in terms of that, you're saying whatever they see, it's still the benefits outweigh the risks. Yes. I believe, and it really doesn't matter what I believe, the data strongly supports that the benefits far outweigh the risk. Of course, there are potential side effects, as there are with anything. I mean, there's a risk if you drive to the store. Um, but the, uh, the data is really quite overwhelming. It is probably the best studied medication. Um, and you know, we don't use it willy-nilly, use it in appropriate settings. And um, the, and if you look online, there are anecdotes and stuff that make statins seem like the worst thing in the history of time. Right. To me, I think it's just so irresponsible um, and it scares people away from medications that could really help them. Um, I, I've been a cardiologist now for quite a while, many years, I don't know, pushing 20 years. And there's, there's no conspiracy. There's no like, I mean, I've seen things like, you know, there's some crazy pharma conspiracy that's manipulating doctors. It's like, you can't get two doctors, to, you know, like you can't, can't get two people in a room to agree to one thing. There's, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, Doctors prescribe what they think is appropriate for the patient. Um, and, you know, I, uh, it saddens me. Uh, and, and sometimes I honestly think that these negative, inappropriately negative messages, and I stress inappropriately, because of course sometimes there are appropriate negative messages, but it, it limits sometimes my ability to what I believe to be able to practice guideline-based and, and appropriate medical care with patients because they will come in, some of them, with many preconceived negative notions about statins based on you know a story or Dr. two Google. on the internet. <laughs> yeah. That is, and I have to spend the whole visit discussing that. And you know, it, it takes away time from our ability to address other issues, advance other 
medications, lifestyle changes, things like that. So I, I actually think it's a detriment to medical care. Yes. Well, thank you for assuaging that. I think it's really important. I'm glad that you're standing up about that. I think it's interesting that people are, you know, their doctor Googling the heck out of their situation. And then do you find people come in more afraid of medications or do they come in um, less and more willing to work on their lifestyle? Or what do you see? I know everyone's different, but have yeah, you seen great, a change? Great question. It's really all of the above. And for my clinic, the majority of the patients who come to see me live in the Bronx, they're part of perhaps the Montefiore system and they need a cardiologist, they're not coming to see me specifically for the cardiac wellness program. And there's a meaningful but smaller percentage of people who know about our cardiac wellness program and come for that reason. And the ones who come for the cardiac wellness program are usually at least on second base in terms of getting started on a plant-based diet. It's an easier lift. And perhaps that population is slightly more skeptical of medications and way more interested in, in lifestyle change. And the patients who come just because you know they're in our system or whatever, they need a, a cardiologist for whatever reason, um, you know, lifestyle change is not necessarily as much on their radar. They are they seem anecdotally to be less enriched about skepticism about medications that may help them. So I see all of the above. Fascinating. Okay. So I know you've done a lot of work in this area and I don't know how many people, we haven't really spoken about this much on the show, but for those of those that don't know this connection yet, can you kind of explain about erectile dysfunction and cardiovascular health? Sure. Um, we often call erectile dysfunction, the canary in the coal mine for heart disease because it typically, erectile dysfunction typically presents three to five-ish years before more overt cardiovascular disease. Uh, and, and the reason for that, well, I'll back up a little bit. Erectile dysfunction is very common. And it's, it's first, it's defined as the inability to attain or maintain an erection to achieve satisfactory sexual uh, performance. It's very common, particularly in the Western world, um, where something like, I, I, Maybe I don't have the number right on top of my head, 20% or 15 or 20% of men in their 40s may have it up to 70% over 70 years of age, according to the men's Massachusetts aging study. And I apologize, I may have those numbers a teeny bit off. But to be honest, I think it's much more common than that because people really just don't like to talk about it. I do see it frequently in my clinic. Um, and there are a number of causes of erectile dysfunction but in the Western world, the most common one is vascular. And the way one would get an erection is there's some sort of stimulus, and then there's increased blood flow in the artery to the penis, which can engorge the penis with venous vacuoles and things and limit outflow. But the inflow of the blood is through an artery, and the same kind of cholesterol disease that can affect the blood vessels to the heart can also affect the blood vessels to the penis, or the blood vessel to the penis. And atherosclerosis or cholesterol disease is, is a systemic disease. It doesn't just affect one blood vessel or one area, it affects the whole body. And so the artery to the penis is smaller than the arteries to the heart. So by the time you have erectile dysfunction from blockage in an artery to the penis, it's very likely that you have some degree of cholesterol disease in the blood vessels in your heart that just has not yet clinically manifest. So we call it the canary in the coal mine for heart disease. It's exquisitely common. 
there are randomized controlled trials that weight loss, exercise, and a Mediterranean-style diet, which is not fully plant-based, but clearly much more healthful than a typical Western diet, can improve erectile function. And we hope to launch um, a small study about the impact of a plant-based diet versus an animal-based diet on erectile function in young, healthy men in the, in the coming months. So well, it'll be interesting to see what that shows. Excellent. Yes. You know, it's amazing. We have one cardiovascular system. And so that's not shocking to hear, except that maybe people don't really think about it like that. But it, I love that idea of it, it being the canary in the coal mine. You know, if people aren't getting their cholesterol checked and they're not regularly seeing their physician, that's something that could be, you know, alerting and something that would drive someone to get some help. So it's a really important thing to talk about. I'm so glad that you're out there doing that. And good luck with that study. I want to hear how that goes. Um, you also wrote this editorial commentary in the Journal of American College of Cardiology called Ultra Processed Foods and Cardiovascular Disease. Where do we go from here? And we're definitely on the same page, obviously, about our recommendations with our patients. But I would love for you to corroborate here on the pod your thoughts on how you define a healthy plant-based diet and um, what do we do with all of these new products that are, you know, we, we've been doing this for a while, but my goodness, has it evolved on the marketplace. And um, there's this health halo now of the quote unquote plant-based label. What do you make of that? Yeah, great question. And, you know, of, of course, that, that was a really interesting study they did and that um, published in Jack by Dr. Jewell and colleagues. And the thing about that study that was particularly interesting to me they looked at about 3,000 people in the Framingham Heart Study, and they were looking at the impact of ultra-processed food on health, ultra-processed food like sugar sodas, chips, cookies, that kind of stuff. And you know, not surprisingly, the more you ate of that, the worse you did. But what was particularly interesting to me is that the average person, the average person in that study ate seven and a half servings of ultra-processed foods every day. Mm. Every day. So it's like, I mean, what else do you have time to eat even? But <laughs> anyway, like, so that was what was particularly intriguing to me. And you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the plant-based is is very, very broadly defined, and there's sort there is indeed a halo effect. So when I when I talk about a plant-based diet with patients, I'll say a smartly processed or minimally processed plant-based diet. Um where we're talking about you know, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, you know, chickpeas, tofu, baked potatoes, salads, raw nuts, avocado, getting rid of the junk food like cookies, chips, cakes, candy, soda, and, and you know, eliminating or in some cases minimizing animal products. I don't, not all my patients are completely willing to go fully plant-based, so you know, I don't want perfection to be the enemy of good. Yes. Um, so the, um, and, and of course, when it comes to processing the plant-based foods, you know, there's got to be a difference between sugar cookies and kale. And Dr. Satija outlined that very well in her Jack article in 2016, where basically if you ate a healthy plant-based diet, kale, you did better. And if you ate an unhealthy plant-based diet, which was sugar cookies, you did worse. Um, so it's really smartly processed. And now there are lots of vegan or plant-based options out there, which is really wonderful from, you know, uh, 
an ethical standpoint, if that resonates with someone, an environmental standpoint, which, you know, who cares how healthy you are if there's no planet, no planet, no health. Right. Those things are super important, um, but they're not necessarily health foods. And some of them really aren't. They would fall into that junk food category. And, you know, there's you can look at them in a variety of ways as like maybe a treat if you're really smartly or minimally processed plant-based or as a stepping stone to eating more healthfully. Um, there is a really interesting study out of Stanford called Swap Meat by Dr. Gardner, where they, in a randomized trial, they, they compared, I think it was like a, a just a typical cow burger with uh, one of the uh, plant-based burgers, I forgot the brand, um, and I believe that LDL cholesterol, which was their primary outcome, fell more on the plant-based burger than a typical animal-based burger. And so, you know, they're definitely, even though those are somewhat processed and not necessarily health foods, many are at least a step in the right direction. So I'm, I'm all for it, certainly for environmental and for ethical standpoint perspective and you know as a stepping stone or as a treat from you know a more health oriented perspective perfectly stated thank you so much for saying that um you also this you can answer this briefly i just i'm so glad that you're doing this you published a paper on the deficit of nutrition education in physicians and you've gone on to receive multiple awards for teaching medical residents i'm curious how these residents respond to the diet and lifestyle approach to treating cardiovascular disease. Well, well, well thank you. Um, and they they respond quite well. They're they're very interested in it. I mean, and especially when you're, they're, they're so excited, so eager to help people get better. So I've been fortunate to be able to work with med students, residents, fellows, um, and you know we talk about it a lot on rounds. Uh, I. I, I I speak to the, I give the preventive cardiology lecture to the second year medical students at Einstein as part of their core curriculum. So it's been very gratifying. And, and it's interesting to see as, as the years have gone by, more and more of them know about it already. And I'm telling them things that they've heard about, that they know about. When I initially started, it was much less so. So there's some sort of societal arc that's curving in the right direction, I guess, to paraphrase something from, from President Obama. Um, but the, um, uh, so th they take to it well. Uh, I, you know, we have cardiac plant-based diet that you can order for inpatients in our system, and many of them st have started to order it. I have our cardiology fellows put in their consult note a little line that says, uh, there's a question says, does the patient consume at least five servings of fruits and vegetables a day? Yes, no, deferred, and they have to answer it. And we put it right above the assessment and plan. And for those who are, you know, rounding in hospitals and reading notes, they know that that's good real estate in the note, that sometimes the middle part of the medical note kind of gets skipped over. So that's why we put it right there. And the reason we did that is so that the patients will know, because hopefully the fellows will mostly ask it, that the patients will know that it's important, the fellows will know it's important, anyone who reads the note will know that cardiology thinks it's important. And of course, our trainees and other people, they go all over the world after they're done in our system, and hopefully they'll take a piece of that with them. So I found that the uh, house officers, medical students are very interested in it. Um, and I do think it's going to be a growing part of their medical life 
uh, going forward. And there's one term I've literally just started playing with uh, called, I call it GDNT. You know, GDN is in Nancy T. What is that? Guideline Directed Nutrition Therapy. There's a term that at least cardiologists and probably many of the other physicians out there will know. We always say in our notes, GDM is in Mary, GDMT for heart failure. That's guideline directed medical therapy for heart failure, like beta blockers and ACE inhibitors, or et cetera. And because it's guideline based. And so, well, we have tons of guidelines about nutrition. And why not give nutrition the same imprator, the same gravitas uh, from those guidelines that heart failure medications get? Because it's equally applicable. And so, and you know, the primary prevention guidelines written in part by Dr. Kim Williams, who you've had on your show highlight uh, nutrition, uh, largely, though not exclusively plant-based, but largely plant-based. So now what I write in my note is, you know, please pursue GDNT. And since no one knows what GDNT is, I spell it out, <laughs> guideline direct nutrition therapy, and please order the cardiac plant-based diet for patients uh, to give it that imprator. Absolutely brilliant. I love this so much. Okay, so just if you could sum up in just a couple sentences, and I know you've kind of said it already, but just a summary, what are your top recommendations to those listening about protecting and optimizing their cardiovascular health? Well, thank you. And I know if they're listening to you and your podcast, they're already doing wonderful things for their health. Um, and of course, I can't give out, obviously, specific medical advice for any one person. Um, you know, everyone's situation is, is different. So, of course, before making any changes, you know, talk with your, your healthcare team. Um, but basically, I encourage patients to consume more minimally or smartly based plant-based meals in order to improve their cardiovascular and overall health. As a, you know, I've been at this for a long time and outside of the medical emergency, like somebody gets shot and has to be put back together again, I've never seen anything come close to the breadth and depth of benefits that a plant-based diet provides. Thank you so much for your extraordinary work. You are such a light in this world and you are so well-spoken and I'm so grateful for everything you do. Keep up all of your amazing work and I hope to see you again soon. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you and your work is driving behavior change for so many people. So thank you. So much wisdom in that conversation. I know I'm going to listen to it several times. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page. You could hear what Dr. Rob Osfeld eats in a day. It's at patreon.com slash choose you now. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash choose you now to have access to our exclusive content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.